Attention, armchair quarterbacks and shower thought GMs. It's time for this week's episode of Sports Ball with Mike Meharry and Alan Mosley. So you mean he didn't see just a ton of Chargers gear? I didn't see any Chargers gear. You know, the problem is you didn't see any Chargers gear in San Diego either. <laughs> I saw I saw Raiders gear in Oakland. Poor Oakland. Yeah, I know. You mean Vegas? Right. Yeah. I saw Vegas gear in Oakland. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Welcome back to Sports Ball for episode, what episode is this? Episode 33. 32. 30, no, 33. Is it 33? God, I sure hope so, because that's what I said. That's 33 is my 33 is my favorite number oh it is it's my it's my my hockey number yes it is well it's the hockey preview how about that it's almost like we plan these things but people that know us well should know that that's not the case yeah, nice. no <laughs> yeah guys welcome back for episode 33 of sports ball i'm your host alan mosley joined as always by my co-host and part-time goalie for at least seven different franchises mike Meharry. <laughs> mike how are you doing I'm jet lagged. No. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Actually, I it's it has it's more a function of being old. I didn't handle the the whole red eye thing very well, but mm. you know, I got to spend some time out in LA and it was cool. So Yeah. Yeah. I, I well, I saw some of your pictures of your time in LA and to me it just looked like you were eating. <laughs> That's pretty much it. Okay. It was the food. It was the Michael Bolden Mike Meharry food tour. That's that sounds fair enough. So, yeah. I well, I know that that's what you really remember from last week, but what do you remember from last week without really looking? Well, what I really remember from last week without really looking, you know, it's funny because being out of town, I didn't see any sports. I didn't see either one of the NCAA games. Uh, So the only thing that I really remember that's sports related is that even though the Los Angeles Lakers suck and didn't make the playoffs, there's still an awful lot of Lakers gear in Los Angeles. And no, L.A. Rams gear, no. L.A. Chargers gear, I didn't see any Clippers gear. I saw a little bit of Kings, but it's mostly Lakers. That is a Lakers town in L.A., without a doubt. That that kind of makes me sad. I mean, it, it makes me a little bit sad for the Rams because, I mean, they did just go to the Super Bowl. you know. Right? So it's like it doesn't get a whole lot better than that other than one more victory in the season. It doesn't get any better than that. So if right. that wasn't enough to, like— you know, wet the whistles of the football fans, then it's, it's calling me crazy, but football may not fly in LA. We've, we've done this before. Indeed. And well, in fact, the Rams have done this before. So right. <laughs> I, that's why I feel particularly bad about them. The only yeah. thing I'm, the only thing I'm going to add to that, I actually, it just popped back into my head. It was something that I had texted you because I saw it on ESPN that the Lakers have now missed the playoffs for six seasons in a row. Before this six-year streak, the Lakers had been a franchise for 65 years and had only missed the playoffs five times in those five years. Wow. Yeah. that's So that's that's a testament to two things. One, how out, out of sorts the franchise currently is right now. And two, why you see so much Lakers gear. Because let's face right. it, I mean, six straight years of missing the playoffs aside, they've had a little bit of success out there in L.A. When, in basketball. So I'm not going to shed too many tears for him for having missed the playoffs. Yeah. It could also be a factor of with marijuana being legal, everybody's <laughs> high, and they just don't realize they haven't made the playoffs. Yeah, well, I mean, 
that's how else would a Clippers fan survive, really? <laughs> exactly. That's why they that's why they legalized. I it. saw no evidence of Clippers fans, by the way. None. Zero. <laughs> that's so that makes me so sad. I don't I don't know. I don't know why that does. I, I don't I don't care about L.A. basketball, but I don't But that just kind of makes me sad, I guess. I don't know. So anyway, I have a really good this is round two of pff, I can do that. Are you ready? I'm ready. I like this. Uh, I like this segment. Orioles first baseman Chris Davis is nearing a record streak for futility. He is. Oh, he was zero for four with two strikeouts in Sunday's fifteen to three loss Ow. to the Yankees. He's zero for twenty three with thirteen strikeouts this season, oh. and he is hitless in his last forty four at bats since a second inning double against the Chicago White Sox last September fourteenth. Yikes. He is too shy of the record for consecutive hitless at bats by a position player. Mike, let me, I, I can guarantee you this. If you put me in for 46 straight at bats, I can set the record. <laughs> I, think, I, I, I know I, I can do could this. Too. I could too. We, we we could do it together. It'd be a run, you know, be a run for the money between the two of us. It would it would be like the it would be like that home run chase back in the what was it the late nineties between Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa. But oh it's, yeah, exactly. It's us Except- seeing who can strike out the most times consecutively, and every time <laughs> right. we strike out, we we swing our bat and we and the fans cheer because I mean, really, how else are the Orioles are going to get in the news, right? Yeah, I actually heard a sports commentator from Baltimore say that the Orioles may not have a legitimate major leaguer on their roster this year. That, that's that's a big yikes. Yeah, how does that happen? I don't know. All I can figure is that that's. I mean, I I, I know that they're a small, the lower budget team, right? Like they're not spending the kind of money that Boston or New York is spending. But but even then, it's like you you would one would think that they could do better than that, but I don't know. Yeah. On the other hand, the Rays, a low-budget team, their studies started off 7-3 and three and won uh, three opening series for the first time since the year they w- went to the World Series. So, I mean, just because you're low-budget doesn't mean you have to suck. Wow. That's uh... – this this has turned into an Orioles bash fest, and that really has almost <laughs> nothing to do with this episode at all. But I'm no. I'm glad we can contribute that for all the Orioles fans at home. <laughs> that right. we took some time out of our busy schedule to destroy their franchise. Yeah, there you go. So I'm I'm gonna do one more because we actually didn't even discuss the order of our segments before we started no, we didn't. this this week. So I'm gonna do one more and then we're gonna go to yours. So have they not finished this tournament yet? <laughs> I I heard somewhere that there was still one more basketball game. I think that that's a fact. I I heard that too. Okay, so so we're not we're not because this is this is the NHL hockey preview, so we don't have time for a lot of basketball. So we're just going to cover really quickly. Do you do you have any particular thoughts about Texas Tech and Virginia? I'll I'll, I'll I will potentially spoil yours by telling you mine really quick. This might be the first national championship game where the final score is like. 33 to 21. Yeah, that's, no, exactly, I, that's exactly what I was thinking. I, you know, it goes to the old adage, you know, defense run wins championships. So I guess, uh, I guess that's uh, proving true. Cause these are definitely the two best defensive teams in college basketball. I don't think it's going to be a barn burner of a game though. Yeah. Watch. It'll be like 86 to 80. <laughs> well, I was just about to say that, you know, doesn't that happen all the time that when two teams, uh, two teams go in with, well, well, it happens that way, but it also happens when it's offense defense too, right? Like if if two right. teams have 
one really great unit, then they will cancel each other out, and then all of a sudden it's the other side of the ball that will dictate the course of the game. Right. So that that may that maybe that happens, or or maybe maybe they're just a little bit jittery. I mean, Texas Tech isn't exactly known for scoring a ton of points, but. I mean, down the stretch in that final couple of minutes of Michigan State, they didn't look like a team that struggled to score points. I mean, they they put them away. It was like it was a one point game with under three to play, and they're like, okay, well let's just let's just knock down a few straight threes and hold them to zero. How about that? And that's <laughs> that's what they did. Right. So, I mean, if they played like that all the time, they would score eighty ninety points a game, right? Yeah, this definitely isn't the matchup that I expected. Of course, I picked Michigan State, mm-hmm. and I picked Auburn. So yeah. There's a lesson for you. Don't follow Mike's picks in basketball. Yeah, well, what we do follow Mike for is his hockey knowledge. And, and that most importantly, because Alan doesn't know – Alan doesn't even know what icing is. I think it's just the <laughs> sweet, sweet stuff on top of a cake. That's exactly what it is. Okay. So, Mike, I think it's time for our 2019 NHL playoff preview. Or, as I, did... I like to call it, how will Tampa Bay screw it up? <laughs> wow. <laughs> Well, that's interesting that you say that. So I thought about different ways we could we could do a little NHL preview and mm-hmm. you know the 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 cliche thing is to break down the matchups and I'm not going to do that because you can go online and find all the all of those breakdowns. I want to just take two themes, one theme from the east, one theme from the west. My theme from the east is who can beat the lightning. Mm-hmm. Now, sure. think about the season that the Lightning has had this year. Mm-hmm. 62 wins. That ties them for the most wins in a regular season in NHL history. And they've been playing NHL hockey for an awful long time. So uh, pretty amazing. It's also amazing when you consider the fact that this is the first team that has set all of these records, broken all of these records in the salary cap era. So when you compare them to the old Detroit Red Wings team, the Montreal Canadiens teams, uh, those teams were not dealing with the whole, uh, we can't keep this dude because we don't have enough cap space. So, you know, that kind of makes what they're doing even more impressive. Uh, They had only back-to-back losses twice in the entire season. Uh, Once was back in November, and they actually won, uh, lost back-to-back in uh, regulation and then one other time later in the season they lost back-to-back games in overtime uh they've had three streaks of seven wins or more uh throughout the season i think they're only the third team in nhl history to ever put that together so completely dominant ran away with it they basically had the uh, president's cup locked down for like 247 years uh you know they had playoff spot locked down like november uh, so kudos to them. I mean, this is my team, so I am a homer. But it's playoff time. It's a new season. And just because you had an awesome regular season does not mean you're going to win a Stanley Cup. Ask the 95-96 Red Wings, who now share the uh, the title of having the most regular season wins. That Red Wings team won 62 games, and they got smoked in the uh, Western Conference Finals that year by the Colorado Avalanche. So I think there are three teams in the East that could legitimately beat the Lightning in a seven-game series. Uh, the first being the Washington Capitals. Uh, you know, the Caps kind of got off to this uh, uh, that slow start. They had the uh, uh, post-Stanley Cup hangover 
uh, you know, because they spent the entire summer drunk. So it took them a little while to get sobered up, but uh, ended up winning the Metropolitan Division. They're 6-3-1 and one in their last games down the stretch. Uh, you know, you've got Alex Ovechkin on that team. You've got solid goaltending. You've got scoring depth. And the thing that's scary about Washington is uh, their really good players are also really physical players. And that could make a difference in a uh, in a series. It definitely impacted the Lightning last year. Uh, but the good news is the Lightning have also gotten tougher. I, I don't remember the exact numbers, but uh, the number of hits that the Lightning has laid is like double what it was last year. So they definitely have made an effort to to toughen up. But Washington, uh, they could potentially meet in the uh, Eastern Conference Finals again. And, uh, you know, that that's, that's going to be a good series if that comes to be. Then we've got the Boston Bruins, uh, second best team in the East. Uh, probably could have chased down any other team except for the Lightning. Uh, had a great last half of the season. They've got the best top scoring line in in the NHL. Uh, what they have this year that they did not last year is scoring depth, something that's really important when you get into the playoffs because a lot of times those top lines get shut down. That's exactly what the Lightning did to Boston last year. Uh, they shut down the top line. They're, <laughs> they didn't have anybody else that could score. Uh, that's bad news in a playoff. I, I think they've, they've got a little bit more depth. Uh, so... They've, they've played some pretty good regular season games. Boston, uh, assuming they get by Toronto in the first round, which I think they would, that would be the second round matchup for the Lightning. And then I have to say, maybe Columbus, which is the first uh, oh. first round matchup for the Lightning. Now, Columbus is an interesting team because they were not in the playoff hunt early on. Uh, they were the team that made the biggest splashy moves going into the uh, trade deadline. Uh, still didn't look real good early on. And then they went six and one down the stretch with three shutout victories to lock in that second wild card spot. Mm-hmm. So they're a team that's coming together at the right time. It looks like they found the chemistry with the new additions. Uh, they've got a goalie in Bobrovsky who last year, you know, was, was one of the top goaltenders in the league this year. He's been up and down, um, He's had some horrible, horrible streaks this year, but on the other hand, he's looked really, really good at times, including uh, down this stretch. So Columbus is, is coming together at the right time. Uh, the uh, coach is one, uh, a man that's known well to Tampa Bay fans, uh, Tortorella. He, um, he knows how to coach in the playoffs. He knows how to play the mind games. He knows how to take the pressure off his team. I think this is going to be a better first-round series than maybe some people expect. Uh, so those are the three teams that I think can beat the Lightning. Uh, of course, you know, in a, in a playoff series, anything can happen, but I think those are the teams that are built uh, to at least compete with the Bolts. So we'll move to the West real quick. Here's the theme of the West. Okay. It's the Millennials versus the Boomers. Oh, no. Yes, you know, boomers mess up everything, right? So we're told. Uh, or or it's those darned kids. But it is interesting looking at the uh, at at all of the matchups in the first round. You've got you've got teams that are relatively young and upcoming against teams that are mature and looking at their window of opportunity uh, closing down. I think the prime example of this is the matchup between the Winnipeg Jets and the St. Louis Blues. Uh, the Jets last year went to the uh, Western Conference Finals, uh, took took Vegas down to the down to the wire. 
Um, they were one of the teams that I was picking at the beginning of this year to be in Stanley Cup contention this year. They looked like that kind of team at the first part of the season, and then not so much. Now, get this. I'm going to give you some some stats here. Okay. First part of the year, uh, the Jets were 25-12-2 early in the season. They were the top team in the West. Meanwhile, through that same streak, St. Louis Blues were 15-18-4 wow. at the bottom of the conference. This was uh, – in games prior to January 1st. Mm -hmm. After January 1st, St. Louis led the West, get this, 30, 10, and 5. Meanwhile, Winnipeg went 22, 18, and 3. And the thing that's really pushed the Blues, and this is another team, you know, uh, to my own horn here, but the Blues were a team that I picked that uh, could be up and coming in this this season, and they sure are. Uh, Jordan Bingham, Bennington is their rookie goalie. He got a shutout in his first NHL start on January 7th. Uh, he's had 29 starts since then. He's posted a .927 save percentage. That's really good. And 1.89 goals against. So, you know, that's a that's matchup where you've got the Jets with the season experience, you know, expected to be a, a playoff contender with the up-and-coming St. Louis Blues. Uh, you kind of have the same thing. You have Calgary versus the Avalanche. Avalanche were in the playoff last year. Calgary uh, actually ended up winning the West, uh, but a young team with very little playoff experience. In fact, I was reading that um, like their roster, they only have like three players that have any playoff experience at all. Uh, you've got the Nashville Predators, another team that is uh, you know – Looking at their window closing, if they don't get something done soon against the Dallas Stars, who uh, were not in the playoffs last year. So, uh, who's it going to be? Is it going to be the newbies or is it going to be the old folks? I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. Some keys to playoff hockey. I just want to cover these real quick, and and this can kind of help people as they go through. I think the number one key playoff hockey is goaltending. Uh, if you've got good goaltending, you can ride a good goaltender all the way to the Stan- Stanley Cup. If you don't have good goaltending, you're not going to get very far. That's one of the things Lightning have going going for them. I think they have probably the best goalie in the NHL in Andre Vasilevsky. Uh, but then you look at the kid like uh, Bennington with a .927 save percentage. Mm-hmm. He's hot. Now, that brings us to the number two thing, experience. And if I was a Blues fan, I would be a little bit nervous about a rookie goaltender going into the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, because playoff hockey is a different animal than regular season hockey the pressure goes up the speed of the game goes up uh the the physicality goes up uh so a lot of times you will see teams that do really well in the regular season that don't have a lot of experience end up making early exits Uh, it's almost like you have to go through that playoff fire once or twice before you get it before you get how much you have to up that intensity level Mm -hmm. and it and it Ratchets up every game. I mean, every series. So, uh, look for these some of these young teams to maybe struggle a little bit as they as they move along because of that lack of experience. Scoring depth. I talked about that with Boston. Uh, if all of your scoring is in your first line, you're going to have a, a problem in the playoffs because your uh, opponent's going to use their checking line, their defenders, to shut down your first line. So you've got to find scoring uh, from uh, other places. Another thing that the Lightning have going from them. They've actually got three players that scored over 40 goals this season. To contrast that, the Nashville Predators only have three players that have more than 20 goals this season. Um, 
if I was a Preds fan, I'd be worried they've got some problems. Um, and then finally, penalty kill. Uh, interestingly, the power play isn't as important as uh, in the playoffs as it is during the regular season because, it, quite frankly, the refs swallow the whistles and they don't call as many penalties. So you're not going to see as many uh, power plays. But when a team gets a power play, you better have a penalty kill that can uh, kill off that penalty because goals are few and far between. Uh, so if you have a good penalty kill, that's a huge advantage when you get into playoff hockey. Um, <laughs> back to the Predators. The Predators actually finished with the worst power play in the league, only 12.9%. But good news for Preds fan. Eight of the past 10 Stanley Cups champions had a power play that finished in the bottom half of the NHL in regular season. So that kind of goes to show the the relative importance of those two things. Hmm. And then finally, experience. Oh, wait, I already said that. But yeah. Experience is huge when you get into playoffs. Um, so, yeah, we're about to get into it. The uh, games, I believe, start on Wednesday, and I am pumped. I think there's some really good series coming up, and we're going to cover the games, uh, or the the uh, not the games, but the uh, matchups for the first round when we get to our picks for the week. So there you go. Quick NHL preview. Well, we're not done yet because I've I've got a surprise for you, Mike. Are you ready? I like surprises. We're going to do a little lightning round. Woo! We're doing right. a lightning round. Well, for us, it's more of a, a broken current round, but we're going to do a lightning round. It's going to be short. You remember, you remember what happened the last lightning yeah, round. I, I know what happened the last lightning round. It, it, it was half the episode. Right. Uh, and it was only like three questions, too. That's the really bad part. This right. one's actually only going to be a few questions. All right. All right. So, so really quick. So this is actually going to be a quick two-parter because it's a setup. First one, who is your favorite to win the Stanley Cup? I've got to go with the Lightning, both okay. sentimentally and well, uh, anyone, anyone who says that that's not their favorite just isn't paying attention. So the favorite, the odds-on favorite is the Tampa Bay Lightning. So the real question is, um, I'm a prophet. I come to you from the future. The Tampa Bay Lightning failed to win the Stanley Cup. What happened? They lost in the Eastern Conference Finals to the damn Capitals again. Oh no! Yeah. Wow. That's so. Are are you saying that that's a that's a strong possibility, or are you just saying that because Tampa Bay super fan Mike Meharry just, <laughs> just can't let it go? <laughs> there's there's a little bit of a little bit of both, but okay. I, I really do think is of, of all of the teams in the East, mm -hmm. the Washington matches up the best. Okay. With with the Lightning and and I watched all three of the regular season games, which interestingly were in the last three weeks of the season. Uh, they they didn't play at all until like March, and okay. then they played all three of those games. and 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 they were all good games. It's if it comes to that, that's going to be one hell of a series. All right. Question number two. Uh, this is a throwback to early in the season. What Canadian team has the best chance to win the Stanley Cup? <sighs> I've got to still go with with the Jets with Winnipeg. Mm -hmm. They they are built to win a Stanley Cup. They've they've got the pieces, but I'm I, I'm I'm not really sold on them. So I don't really think a Canadian team's going to win the Stanley Cup this year. But uh, if I have to pick one, I would say the, okay. uh, the the Jets. All right, last question: Of the teams that failed to reach a hundred points, which of them has the best chance to win the Stanley Cup? So really quick for you, that is the Carolina Hurricanes, Columbus Blue Jackets, Winnipeg Jets, St. Louis Blues, Dallas Stars, 
Colorado Avalanche. Oh, and I would Vegas say the, Golden Knights. Vegas Golden Knights only got 93 points, but they made the playoffs. Yeah, I would say the Blues. Um, I, I really think that when you look at a 30-10-5 record since January, that is a team that is that is on a roll. Uh, assuming their goaltending can can hold it together. Um, yeah, I think uh, I think the I, I think I really feel like St. Louis could go deep in this one. Yeah. Uh, all right. One, I'll, I'll give you one last. This isn't really even a a, a, a objective question. It's just more of an interesting tidbit based on based on the preview you just gave us. Uh, which team had? Which team do you think has the best winning streak going into the playoffs right now? Um, you know, I didn't actually look at the. I know that's why I, I figured you didn't look. That's why I'm just asking for you to take. A I would guess. say probably Columbus. Uh, Columbus is they've won two. So, believe it or not, the longest current win streak is only three games. The Nashville Predators. Ah, so there you go. Yeah, Nashville. Yeah. Nashville is a team that should should have had a better regular season than they did. They can't find the back of the net for some reason. Yeah, well, I I'm gonna save a little tidbit about the Nashville uh, Stars series when we get to our pick'em, but we're almost there. Uh, I've got an adventurous in officiating. Ooh, I like that. You know, this tournament has just been dreadful. The NCAA men's basketball tournament. It's been yeah, really absolutely has. dreadful for a lot. I, of I feel like. I feel like college basketball in general has been dreadful. Yes, it has. It's it's not been a good year, and it's been a and it's been magnified, of course, because of all those games on national television. It's been a, a dreadful year, so it's time for adventures in officiating. While fans are debating the controversial foul call at the end of Auburn, Virginia, that allowed Virginia to ice the game with three free throws from the for a one point win, it wasn't a foul, by the way. What is completely overlooked is how a blatant missed call right near center court with the whole world watching should have made the ending irrelevant. Virginia's Ty Jerome, taking the ball down the court with only seconds left to play, down two, dribbled the ball off the back of his own foot, raced backwards to pick the ball up off the court, and then proceeded to start dribbling down the court again. Mike, that's a double dribble! It is. It's a double that. dribble that happened in midcourt in front of the whole country. Literally everyone's eyes were on it. How do you miss that? You know, that could be in the uh, also be in the segment. I could do that. Yeah. I could miss that call. I can pick up my dribble and start dribbling again. <laughs> I, can, yeah, I can do that too. Yeah, and I, yeah, oh yeah, I could certainly be the official. Just do it. Just do whatever you want. I mean, it's right. That, I, I'll tell you what. I, I didn't really want to harp on that play too. Gave me flashbacks to the absolute corrupt abomination game because it was a very right. similar ending. Yeah, um, it a team that had clearly lost the game. Everyone knows the game is over. Uh, the Auburn one was actually probably worse, and and I don't, I'm not an Auburn fan, but it was it was arguably worse just because the final shot shouldn't have even mattered. It was a right. two point game, and Virginia turned the ball over at midcourt. That's it. That's game over. Game over. Uh, if if they call the double dribble there, Auburn takes the ball out of bounds at at the side side mid court with three seconds left to play. They could have just thrown the ball straight up in the air for a jump ball, and, and the time would have ran out. I mean, so the game's right. over. It's it, the referees. It's not even a matter of well, you got to play the whole forty. No, the game's over. Auburn won the game. I no longer even care what happens in the championship. Auburn won the game. It, you yep. just you can't. 
it's one thing to say, oh, it's a tic-tacky spot foul. He pushed off. Well, they weren't calling that earlier. Like, look, there's arguments to be had for those. There's not an argument to be had for double dribble. <laughs> no. That's, that's actually, not an argument. <laughs> I actually saw that at the gym today. They were replaying it, and yes. and I, it was, I didn't have sound, and I was like, oh, that's a double dribble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, exactly. Like, like I said, there's, I've even made the comment recently, I, I think I had texted it to you, that to me, a, a a game that has too many calls that are up to opinion is an inherent weakness in the game. So when you think of things like holdings and pass interferences where we're going to let them play or we're going to call them really close, to me, that's an inherent weakness in the game because the game should be very concrete, black and white, yes or no. Right. I mean, that's what rules are meant to be you know, to establish boundaries. Double dribble is actually one of those rules. You either are dribbling or, you, or you're not. Or you're not right. And when you are not and then dribble again, that's a foul. That's that's yes. a turnover. So yes. you can't, I mean, to me, that's just as egregious as someone shooting from like half court and them only giving him two. It's like, oh, his foot was on the line. What are you talking right. about? He was 20 feet behind the line. His foot can't possibly have been on the line. So you can't miss a call that bad. Um, it... I don't know how other people feel about it, but like I said, it genuinely makes me not even want to watch any more of the games because yeah. I just because it's like, well, this isn't this isn't the game that should be, so I'm not interested. Right but by that logic, I really hope Texas Tech wins by a hundred. I really do because Virginia shouldn't win; they lost. Right. Um, well, there's probably not going to be a hundred points in that entire game no, between the two of them. But... No, there's probably not. But if, <laughs> it, could, that. if it could be a hundred and nothing, I'd want Texas Tech. Sure. Uh, with that said, it's time for our favorite segment: it's the LP Team of the Week. Yes, it's the LP, who we got this week. It's the LP team of the week, and we're staying with our theme of NHL hockey. Oh, Mike, nice! What do the Vegas Knights, Colorado Avalanche, and Dallas Stars have in common? Well, I know the answer to this. You want me to tell you? What? What is that? They are all in the playoffs. They're all despite, in the playoffs, despite the fact that they have less points than the poor old Montreal Canadiens. They have fewer points, Mike. Well, fewer. fewer, less, whatever. <laughs> I know. I'm just, I'm just giving you a hard time. <laughs> so the Montreal Canadiens were eliminated from the playoffs. Um, they really could be our in memoriam, but they're not. I actually put them. Actually, I thought about that, and yeah. then I, I saw that you were doing the LP team of the week, so I, well, I have another memoriam for you. They, they felt like a good LP team of the week because yeah. they're, they're, they're a team that. This actually brings up a good – this is another one of our potential off-season discussions that, by the way, is fast approaching. I know. <laughs> We're very fast approaching the days when all of our favorite major sports are going to be out of season and football hasn't started yet. So mm-hmm. people are going to have to tune in. The, I actually think the out-of-season episodes are going to be pretty fun because we have a lot of interesting topics to debate. Yes, we do. One of those interesting topics will be, what do you think about people who say keep divisions for the sake of scheduling? But when it comes time to seed playoffs and tournaments, just take the top teams, regardless of what division they're in. So, right. so the point, so case in point being, why does a team with ninety points like the Colorado Avalanche get to go to the postseason, but a team like the Montreal Canadiens not? Yeah, I would make the argument in hockey that you're playing most of your Western games are against your Western conference teams. And most of your, you only play, you only play your out of conference teams twice. Yeah. And, and so I, I can definitely see that in terms of uh, a seating within the, um, the conference itself. So, you know, so you'll get a situation where a, a team makes it from one uh, division and doesn't make it in the other. I'm, 
I'm not sure I would buy into that with the comp, but you know that we'll have that discussion or later in the season. Yeah, we could do that. What? Well, but Montreal should have won another game or two, and then they would be in the playoffs. So this is true. If they had won another couple of games, they would be in the playoffs. But I, so I guess it's kind of a double whammy. Of it sucks for Montreal, but it also kind of sucks that you're going to have a couple of teams in. That I mean, let's face it. Does anyone think the Colorado Avalanche are going to win the Stanley Cup? Come on. I think Colorado fan might. Well, <laughs> if they're anything like Tampa Bay sports super fan Mike Meharry, I don't think they do think they're going <laughs> to No, they don't think that at all. They They've already won. given up. They won't even watch. So with that said, it's time for our most solemn of Actually, segments. it's not quite. Oh, it's not quite? I, well, I, the music's I, already I, playing, Mike. Oh, well, then okay. I'm, I'm listening to taps right now, so I can't even hear you. <laughs> <laughs> well, then we'll do what I was going to do in a minute. See, I'm all I'm all misty eyed now. I can't even. I can't okay. even. Let me let me get solemn. All right, I'm ready. So it's time for in memoriam, where we think of a player, a coach, a team, whatever, whose sporting life was cut tragically short. Mike, who are you remembering this week? I am remembering former Buffalo Sabers coach Phil Housley. Hmm. Now, if you remember way back to November. The Sabres were one of the hottest teams in the NHL. They put together an impressive 10-game win streak and were briefly the best team in the East. Mm -hmm. Then the rest of the season happened. (laughs) Get this. The Sabres won 16 out of its last 57 games (laughs) and finished 27th in the league, which is, as we like to say, less than ideal. Yes. Uh, For his efforts... Phil Housley got fired on Sunday. Uh, he finished as the head coach of the Sabres with a 58-84-22 and 22 record. But there is one thing that they can never take away from Phil Housley. What's that? He, he is in the Hockey Hall of Fame. Oh. He, well. he, was a, he was a Hall of Fame defenseman. So great player, maybe not so great a coach. But we remember his coaching career fondly in memoriam. Uh, he is not the only player to go into coaching and not have as much success on the other side of the uh, of the bench. Indeed. Well, I'm remembering the AAF. Oh, <laughs> the I saw one game. <laughs> it wasn't it even that. It wasn't even that bad of a game. Oh, it was a good game. Yeah, the games weren't really that bad. But uh, yikes! This is all I can say. About the AAF, you know, we've kind of alluded that this was a possibility over the last couple of weeks because uh, thing, uh, things were not looking too good in the news for the AAF. Um, they had they had gotten a last second um, influx of cash from a from an investor to try to keep payroll going, but you know, you and I had already discussed that yeah. it it seems less than ideal for a sports organization to be in the throes of their inaugural season not having already put together the capital they would need to even get through payroll for their first 10 games. That's Um, not a good business plan for those of you entrepreneurs out there. No. So reading really quick, this week we made the difficult decision to suspend all football operations for the Alliance of American Football. We understand the difficulty that this decision has caused for many people, and for that we are very sorry. This is not the way we wanted it to end, but we are also (laughs) committed to working on solutions for all outstanding issues to the best of our ability. Due to ongoing legal processes, we are unable to comment further or share details about the decision. We're grateful to the players who deliver quality football and may now exercise their NFL out clauses in our contract. We encourage them to continue pursuing their dreams and wish them the best. 
We are grateful to our fans who have made who have been true believers from the beginning. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and to our world-class partners. I don't know about that one either. And to the Alliance coaches and employees who devoted their valuable time and considerable talent to this venture. We are forever grateful. And we're sorry you're not going to get paid. And you're not going to get paid. You know what? You know what makes me most sad about that? Um is I would love for there to be uh, genuine competition to the NFL because I mean yep. when every time we get on here and gripe about dumb things happening in the NFL, the problem is is that well, there there ain't nobody touching the NFL right now, whether it be in football or any other major sports organization for that matter. As long as they're that far far and away the king of the jungle, they can make stupid decisions that we as fans don't like, and there's very yep. little we can do about it other than not supporting the NFL. Uh, but a good way of not supporting the NFL is to support another franchise. But guess what? It ain't going to be the AAF. So what? Nope. So the really what really makes me in memoriam this week is I I tend to fear that when more organizations like the AAF show up and then instantly crumble, it makes the likelihood that another venture will succeed in the future less likely. Right. Like if you were a major investor and and I came along to you and I said I have an AAF type idea but it's going to be way better i think you by default would be less likely to listen because you say this is going to be another one of those right right (sighs) yikes (laughs) that's a you 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 get you get like an 11 of 10 yikes when your entire organization folds so yeah that's that's like in memoriam they could that could earn them a sponsorship if you recall we had Yes. Sponsored by the Auburn Tigers for a while. That we could yes. have in memoriam sponsored by the AAF. Well, you know the uh, Auburn Tigers sponsored in memoriam for the rest of college football season. The AAF season's over now. So oh yeah, they, they don't have enough money to sponsor it, Mike. That's, That's true. Problem. That's true. Yeah. All right. So 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 what were you going to hit me with? Well, I've got a real quick puck to the head. Oh, yes. Yeah. This week I'm shooting a puck to the head of Pittsburgh Pirates pitcher Chris Archer, Ooh. who sparked a brawl. When he threw a pitch behind Cincinnati Reds outfield Derek Dietrich. Now, Archer was very angry with Dietrich. You know why? Hmm. Because in the previous at-bat, Dietrich stood and stared at Homer he blasted out of the park in his previous at-bat. Well, that's what I said. In his previous at-bat, he blasted a Homer out. He stared at it as it went out. Apparently, Archer took this to be uh, kind of a diss, you know. He was he was showboating, apparently, staring at your your home run as it clears the fence. Incidentally, this was uh, Dietrich's second home run of the night. The first one he actually blasted into the uh, Allegheny River, uh, so it was number two home run. He stared at it as it went over the fence. Archer took offense. Um, I guess he considered it disrespectful, so he decided he was going to send Dietrich a little message by throwing the ball behind him. Well, here's an idea. If you don't like showboating when you get a home run hit on you, how about not throwing pitches that he can launch into the river? Or, even better yet, you just lobby the NFL front office to outlaw all those things <laughs> and penalize the go. players that do it. That's what the NFL uh, does. Right. Well, you know what's ironic is Archer is is a little bit known for being demonstrative himself, you know, celebrating strikeouts and pumping his fist and those kind of things. So he's going to get all offended uh, when – Somebody blast a home run or two home runs on him. So I'm going to shoot a puck to his head for being a little bit of a, a whiny bitch and um, sparking a brawl, which instantly was kind of fun. Uh, there was a there was a player on the Reds, and I can't remember his name, but basically he tried to fight everybody on the Pirates. 
Oh, well, I was just about to say, I'm a little bit surprised. I'm, I, I, I noticed that you turned that at the end into saying that, well, sparking a brawl is bad, but fine. Because I thought, wait, this is hockey fan Mike Meharry. There's <laughs> right. no way that he didn't get a good kick out of the out of the baseball brawl. Oh, yeah, I don't I don't mind the brawl. I'm, okay. I, it's it's more of the whiny bitch. Oh, he stared at the ball and it was going over the fence and hurt my feelings. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that must be exactly the way it went down, for sure. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay. Well, with that said, it is time for the week thirty-three pick'em. But I think you're gonna have to you're gonna have to take the take the driver's seat on this because this is gonna be mostly a hockey series pick'em. It uh, is. We'll we'll get the NCAA title game out of the way really quick. Who do you got on uh, Texas Tech Virginia? I'm going to go Texas Tech. I think it's going to be a game of defenses, and I think Texas Tech's defense is a yep. little bit, a uh, little bit better than Virginia's. I think the score is going to be 45 to 40. Oh man! <laughs> oh my God! 45 to 40—that's just <laughs> atrocious. It really is. I mean, don't get me wrong. I know there's somebody out there thinking, "Well, that you know, Mosley, you're a hypocrite because aren't you the guy that's always saying that?" Uh, you you hate all the pro offensive rules and calls in NFL, which is true. But I mean, good lord, forty five to forty. <laughs> That's that would be as if you know you brought back football games where the average score was like nine to six. I mean, that's what that is. So I'm I'm gonna also go with Texas Tech, and and as I said earlier, my 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 vote is put completely because Virginia does shouldn't even be in the tournament and it lost. I'll, I'll be I'll be particularly curmudgeon if Virginia Tech wins a national championship off a of double dribble. Yeah, it could happen. Adventures in officiating. I know it could happen. Yeah. All right. Well, let's do some hockey picks. We'll right. go through. We'll go through the uh, the opening round series. All right. I'm ready. And uh, all you got to do is pick the team and how many games. Okay. Team and and, and games. I've actually I've actually got I think some of these games are going to go deep. I think okay. there's going to be a lot of uh, um, uh, long series. We'll start with Tampa Bay, Columbus. Okay. Uh, Tampa Bay in four. Now, I've actually got Colum- uh, Tampa Bay in six. Really? I, I think this is going to be a little bit closer of a matchup than uh, than, than people think. I'm I'm on the Tampa Bay bandwagon. So so that means they're going to they're gonna lose, but no. Oh, God. I'm on, I, know, I, know, I know. I'm so sorry, Mike. I'm on the Tampa Bay bandwagon. Uh, I will say this. This is an interesting little side note. Um, according to hypeability rankings, and I, I saw this right before we went on, they ranked the the opening series based on hype. Uh, uh, eight being no hype, no one cares, and number one being a really good series. Tampa right. Bay and Columbus came in at seven. So they they believe that overall the star power is pretty decent. Um they they actually think the hate factor is pretty high that Tampa Bay and Columbus that it might be a it might be a testy series but the probability that it goes long is is practically practically yeah none. well if you look at the regular season and and you know like I I've said before regular season playoff two different animals but yeah uh, the the Tampa Bay Lightning have owned Columbus in the regular season I think they outscored them like 17 to 3 or something absurd like that yeah. but I I really do feel like Columbus added some pieces late i feel like that it's starting to gel uh bobrovsky i think is is peaking at the right time and and i just think that uh i don't know i I could see the bolts having a little bit of um uh, a little bit of jitters going into the opening round with the with the pressure that is on them after the season they've had so yeah so we've got uh 
Oh, sorry. Go no, ahead. go ahead. I was just going to move on to the next matchup. Yeah. Okay. Oh, we've got the Boston Bruins versus the Toronto Maple Leafs, which is actually a uh, uh, was the uh, matchup last year, mm-hmm. and uh, pretty pretty old school rivalry between the uh, the bees and the Leafs. Yeah. Who you like? Uh, I'm going to say Bruins, and I'm basing that uh, on the fact that the Leafs are not particularly hot right now going into the playoffs. Yeah. They're they're going I. Any team that's going in on a three-plus game losing streak to me is one of the teams that is a big uh-oh heading into uh, heading into their series. And so, believe it or not, of all the playoff teams, they they have the longest concurrent losing streak. So I'd mentioned that the Preds had a had a plus three. The, right. the Leafs are at minus three, and that is the worst. I, I think I think the next worst is. Uh, uh, actually, Pacific winner Calgary Flames at two losses. Uh, so the the Leafs are not playing their best, whereas the Bruins they they finished the season with a loss. But uh, the Bruins were probably one of the hottest teams in hockey that just so happens to be in a division with the Tampa Bay Lightning. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I I don't have the stats in front of me, but the the streak that the Bruins have been on late in the season was pretty impre- pretty impressive. And the only reason they didn't gain ga- ground on the Lightning is because the Lightning were more impressive. Uh, I, I'm with you on on that pick. I think it's going to be Boston. Uh, I think it's going to be a pretty decent series. Tor- Toronto's problem. Toronto can put the puck in the net. They can score a lot of goals. Uh, they've had the same weakness that they had last year. Uh, it's in the back end. Uh, their defense can get shaky. Anderson, their goalie, uh, he's he's been really good. He's the kind of goalie that can steal games, but he's not been good uh, in the last uh, maybe month of the season. So uh, that would make me nervous going in with a shaky goalie. Uh, Toronto surprised me last year. They took Boston deeper, went seven games last year. I think this year the Boston's going to take care of them in six. I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna say Boston in five. I I don't have as much uh I don't have as much hope for long series as you do. It looks like yeah. I'm gonna say Boston in five. I think it's gonna be a top heavy year. All right, Washington versus the Carolina Hurricanes. Okay, Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, talk about the little engine that could. Yep. Uh, now they they are they are one of my sub 100 point teams that I and they and they are coming in on a good winning streak. Uh, they have been hot to close the season. Uh, with that said, if you if you're looking at things like goal differential, there's not a huge chasm between a- almost any of the Metro teams. Um, the Capitals, believe it or not, only have a plus twenty nine goal differential, uh, even though they won the Metropolitan. Um, so there's not a huge chasm between them. However, I'm 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 falling back on my Mike Meharry wisdom. I think the Washington Capitals have a teensy bit more experience in the playoffs Just a little than, the Car- than the Carolina yeah. Hurricanes. So I, I think that that's going to make the difference, even though I think that this is a competitively closer matchup than than we may be willing to admit. So I'm going to say Washington in six. All right, I'm also going with Washington. I think Caps are going to take it in five. Okay. Um, and now I'm going with the experience factor. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like Carolina. I like this team. They feel a little bit like the Florida Panthers team that went deep in the playoffs, actually made it to the finals. It was the year that the uh, uh, fans threw plastic rats on the ice at every Panthers game. Um, folks will remember that. Somebody actually uh, – one of the players killed a rat in the locker room, so rats became a big thing. Uh, and and they have these – they the 
hurricane players do this these really fun like choreographed uh, things for their home fans after every game that have gotten increasingly huh. more complex as the year has gone on. These these kind of tributes. So it's it's been a fun year for them. Why uh, they were a team that I was looking at early in the season to be much improved. Uh, they've they've lived up to that, but. Uh, going in against the defending Stanley Cup champions, I don't know. I, I think Washington's just Washington knows what needs what they need to do uh, in order to uh, turn it on for the playoffs, and they have Alexander Ovechkin. So, I, I think this is going to be the shortest or one of the two shortest series in all of the playoffs. So we'll move along. Last game in the East: Pittsburgh versus New York Islanders. Pittsburgh versus New York Islanders. <clears throat> I. Th- I know that all of our hearts say Islanders, but our brains say Pittsburgh, right? Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, I figured that that was going to be the case on that one, so I'm done. Uh, I'm going to say um, we we want Pittsburgh to have an early exit, so it's probably Penguins and four. Yeah. Uh, New York was a team that nobody expected to be where they are mm-hmm. at this point in the season. They are one of the best defensive teams in hockey. Uh, they have the uh, coach from the def- – uh, Last year's reigning Stanley Cup champs. Mm-hmm. Uh, so <laughs> win the Stanley Cup, bail, go to another team. Uh, that's what Trotz did. So, But I, I think this is going to be – Pittsburgh is on the way down. Uh, they've not been particularly impressive through the regular season. But any team that has Sidney Crosby, uh, has Malkin, they have solid goaltending, they have a lot of experience, uh, I think that's going to win the day. But I actually think this season, this series is going to go seven. Uh, I think it's I think it's a good matchup, but I think that Pittsburgh is is going to ultimately come out of it as much as that hurts my heart. I do think that there's a really good chance that it'll go uh, seven games. Uh, so from what I understand, the New York Islanders were probably the best uh, regular season defensive team. So really, it comes down to it's it's another one of those offense versus defense. And do they cancel themselves out? And then do you start to wonder about Penguins defense versus Islanders offense? Uh, right. Ironically, they had the exact same goal. They only finished three points apart. They had the exact same goal differential on the season. Um, and like I said, 103 points to 100 points. Very evenly matched teams, but obviously the Penguins have the star power. Uh, they they have the postseason experience. So... I don't know. I, you know what? I'm I'm actually gonna I'm actually gonna switch my pick. I'm gonna say Islanders in seven. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna go Islanders in seven, which means of course they won't win. <laughs> but I'm I'm gonna <laughs> go could, with my heart and say Islanders in seven. It could go either way. I think it's a I think it's a really going to be a competitive series. Okay. All right, so we'll move to the West. We've got the Calgary Flames, who ended up winning the uh, Western Conference, so they'll have home ice throughout the playoffs. Uh, young team. Up and coming against the Colorado Avalanche, also a relatively young team, but a team that made the playoffs last year. Yeah. Um, now this is an interesting one because when I asked you about uh, Canadian teams uh, and their and their potential chance of winning the cup, I don't believe your answer was Calgary. No. Um, but Calgary finished with 107 points, plus they 62 did. goal differential, which was best in the NHL outside of Tampa Bay. Um, they had a great season. I mean, if if this wasn't a historic year for Tampa Bay, everyone would be talking about the NHL best Calgary Flames. I mean, it's a strong possibility they could be. And they're young, so they may have many more seasons to come. Indeed. So I feel like that there's not a lot of hype for a team with 107 points in number one of the Pacific. That just seems odd to me. 
So I'm actually going to say that Calgary comes out with a really big, I'm not saying they're going to win the Stanley Cup, but I am saying they're going to come out with a really big opening series statement and they're going to knock out the Avalanche in five. Fun fact. Okay. The year the Lightning won their Stanley Cup, you know who their Western Conference opponent was in the finals? Was it Calgary? It was Calgary. So that's that's fun. My Calgary's a great team. They've looked good. Uh, My knock on them is that they are so young and have so little playoff experience. Like I said, I believe, and I could be wrong about this. I I heard it in passing on a radio show, but I believe they only have three players with playoff experience. That's huge when you get into the Stanley Cups. Will they be able to match the intensity and and handle the pressure that comes with the playoffs? Remains to be seen. I think they will win this first round. Uh, I don't think they they're definitely better on paper than the Avs. But I think that playoff experience is going to go a long way for Colorado. And uh, I, I like this series to go along, too. I'm taking Calgary in seven. If we were if we were reseeding our uh, playoffs based on points and not divisions, Colorado wouldn't even be in the playoffs. <laughs> so <laughs> right. I, I don't have a lot of hope for Colorado. Right. All right, San Jose, Las Vegas, a rematch of a last uh, one of last year's playoff series. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna say San Jose in five. Again, I, I don't really have a lot of hope for. Uh, long playoff series. I will say this about uh, the Vegas Golden Knights. Um, Again, 93 points, not exactly a a big point getter for a playoff team. They only had a goal differential of plus 13, or no, excuse me, plus 19. So, I mean, really just not an impressive team this year all the way around. Now, I remember all the way back in our NHL season preview, uh, your sports ball co-host Mike Meharry said, that that inaugural uh, charmed season of the Golden Knights that was really handcrafted for them by the NHL front office would be a flash in the pan and they would come back down to earth this year. And it looks like that may be true. Yeah. This is a tough series for me to handicap. Um, I really, I want to like San Jose. I do like San Jose, but San Jose is old. Mm-hmm. And they've got a couple of they, they they were not good down the stretch. Their goaltending has been shaky down the stretch. Uh, they've had some injury problems down the stretch. So they're not they're kind of backed into the playoffs. Uh, yeah. Vegas, Vegas, on the other hand, really is a team that's not a lot different from from the team last year. The, the their additions, the subtractions kind of cancel each other out. Uh, the big question mark is Mark Andre Fleury. I mean, he's the backbone. That's their goalie. He's the backbone of that team, and he's had some injury problems uh, in the later part of the season, which is part of the reason you see that not so great goal differential and uh, and maybe not as many wins as you might expect from a team that actually went to the finals last year. Uh, I think this is going to be a tough series. San Jose, this is really their last hurrah. Uh, mm-hmm. they're, they're, if they don't get it done, I, I don't – I think they're going to go into rebuilding mold mode. So they're going to be hungry and desperate. Uh, I started off saying uh, San Jose in seven, and then I switched to Vegas in seven. And I think I'm going to go back to San Jose in seven. I don't know. I, this 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 series could go either way. Uh, San Jose, it's a team, if they get hot, uh, mm-hmm. they could legitimately win the cup. Um but they've not shown it yet. And they were, I mean, they were in the race for the President's Cup for a while uh, until the Lightning ran away with it. So 
an interesting series. So I'm gonna, I guess I'll go Sharks in seven. I'm gonna say uh, San Jose in six. All right, all right. Two more games to go, real quick. We've got Nashville, one of the Boomers, against the Dallas Stars, <laughs> one of the Millennials. Um, obviously, I'm gonna go with Nashville. Um, what's What's interesting is, is I think a lot of people feel that out out of division winners people probably believe the Predators are the weakest team. So, I mean, if you're thinking Calgary, Nashville, Washington, Tampa Bay, people think Nashville's probably your weakest division winner uh, and possibly one of your higher seeds to be <clears throat> the first team out. Um, with that said, their their opening matchup is against the Dallas Stars, which had some exciting games around the middle of the season there. Didn't really finish all that strong, managed to managed to get a playoff spot. They only they got a playoff spot with only ninety three points. So again, in in the Mosley reseeding formula, they're not even in the they're not even right. in the postseason. Um listen to this. You want to talk about if if you're if you're somebody who thinks that goal differentials is a stat that matters. The Dallas Stars had the lowest positive goal differential in the league at plus Eight plus eight is their goal differential. Um, to compare that to our eliminated Montreal, Montreal Canadians, they managed to get a plus thirteen uh, right. and and finish with uh, uh, and finish with three more points. So I, I think the Dallas Stars are a team that is very fortunate to get to have a postseason series. And uh, after after four losses out of five games, they'll uh, they'll be thinking about their excitement next year. Well, Nashville's a team that has definitely underperformed. If you look at the roster mm-hmm. and you look at the performance, those two things don't equal up. Uh, like I said, they only have three players that have 20-plus goals. They have the worst power play in the league. They've had a difficult time putting the puck in the net. Uh, all of that said... This is a team that is built for a deep playoff run, and it's another one of those boomer teams that, you know, their their window's closing. Yeah. Now, the thing that Nashville has going for them is goaltending. Uh, I, I I like Pecorine. I, I was, like their backup. I was just about to say, I, I forgot to mention that in my little spiel, because uh, you were talking about boomers versus millennials. A true boomer and 77-year-old Pecorine <laughs> right. is still in the net for Nashville Predators. I, I believe we were talking... Uh, all the way back in the beginning of sports ball and maybe before we started sports ball in last season about how Rene was on his last legs. And yet we go through another season and he's got another 0.918 save percentage. What about that? Right. I know know that you personally are particularly uh, emboldened by, by seeing an old fogey like Rene on the ice making all those stops. Absolutely. I've always liked Rene. I've liked him. I've liked him from the beginning. I would love to see him get a cup. Uh, unfortunately, I I don't think this is the year. I actually think Dallas is going to win. I I've really? just not I've not seen enough out of Nashville. I think if Nashville can get out of the first round, they're going to go deep. But I think Dallas is a stumbling block for them. Uh, Dallas on the downside, talking about goaltending, they've got big Ben Bishop. Uh, I know Ben Bishop well from his days in Tampa Bay, and he is apt to have some really crappy games in the playoffs. So, uh, and he's Vesna. You know, Vesna Trophy consideration, regular season. We'll we'll see how he does. Uh, I've I've watched him melt down in the playoffs more than once, and I've also watched him get hurt in the playoffs more than once. So, um, this is another game uh, series I think is going to go long. Uh, I'm I'm taking Dallas in seven, but it would not shock me if Nashville pulled it out and then went on a deep run because they're definitely better than what they've shown this season. 
We'll see. So I think this is going to be our our probably biggest disagreement going into the weekend. I, I think that the stars have practically no chance, uh, and I'm also basing that on uh, the stars can't play away from their home ice to save their lives, and they can't score any goals. And if they can't score any goals against average competition, I don't think they're score- going to score a ton of goals against the National Predators, especially in right. Nashville. Well, we shall see. All right. Last one, we've got the Winnipeg Jets versus the St. Louis Blues. And I've already gone through the stats. This, this is a pretty easy pick for me. I've gone through the stats about how uh, how well St. Louis has done in the later part of the season, how poorly Winnipeg has done. Now, granted, Winnipeg has had some uh, injury problems on the back end, mm-hmm. uh, and, and so that certainly hurt them in the later stages of the regular season. But again, kind of backed into the playoffs – uh, St. Louis Blues are streaking. All contingent on if the young goaltender can handle the pressure of the playoffs. Uh, I think St. Louis is going to win this, and I think they're going to win easily, and we're going to make Winnipeg our LP NHL team of the year. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, and I'm actually going to take the Blues in five. Wow. Well, Winnipeg actually definitely uh, caught my eye because, I, I mean, it, it, it didn't seem that long ago that – I think most people had kind of written off the Predators because after the trade deadline, uh, they really weren't gelling, whereas the Jets had at least a semi-comfortable lead at the time in the uh, Western Central. Um, of course, the the Jets were a team that gave Nashville a lot of trouble, obviously, last year uh, and through the early part of this season. Um, so it definitely seemed like the Predators were going to be a playoff team, but definitely second fiddle to the Jets. Obviously, the Predators were able to rally late, and the Jets have kind of fallen off, as you as you mentioned, um, injuries. Um, I'm I'm going to go with you. I'm going to say, I, I think it's going to be a longer series. I'm going to say Blues in six, and uh, I think the big winner there is Nashville. I think a, a Winnipeg Jets going home early makes Nashville a big winner going into the next round. Sure. Well, there you are. That's all the games. Well, do you have any final thoughts? I do have a final thought. Okay. NASCAR's in trouble. Oh, no. I caught a little bit of the uh, Bristol race yesterday, and and Mm -hmm. Bristol is one of the more popular tracks. People like the short track. There's a lot of bumping and and wrecks, and that, I don't know what you, it's not a stadium. It actually is built like a stadium. played football in the Bristol track a couple of years ago, Mm -hmm. Uh, but that thing was like half empty. Um for a race that traditionally had been sold out, uh, when your core fans in Tennessee start not going to NASCAR races, yeah. your product is in trouble. Yeah. But Kyle Busch won his third race of the year, so that was fun as a Kyle Busch fan. But yeah, that that was that was a, a big yikes for for NASCAR to have that many empty seats. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, it. Re- I mean, it's apples to oranges, but it, it's 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 something that I've always thought about baseball over the last, I mean, ten to twenty more years at this point is that you know baseball was king for so long in this country that it it sp- it spawned that many franchises and that many massive baseball parks, mm-hmm. and now what you have is one third full baseball parks every week. Yeah. Um, yeah, the Rays. The Rays actually sh- uh, closed off the entire upper upper deck of Tropicana Field this year. So yeah. there's, it's all. If you want to go to a Rays game, you're sitting in the lower deck because there ain't no upper deck seats. Yeah, it's it's definitely a testament to um, the fickleness of fans, and also that you you have to be consistently innovating and putting a a good product on the field slash track slash diamond slash hardwood because. I, 
I mean, I mean, in, in, in every every sports organization has been through some type of a high and a low. It seems that way, except for the NFL. I mean, the NFL comparatively is a younger league than right. you know, obviously baseball, um, and they're on top right now. Um, but they they could certainly fall off. And and you think of lockouts and other sports organizations and that sort of thing. Um, there's it's no guarantee. I guess is the point. And NASCAR. You may you might be on something. Maybe NASCAR is about to find out that uh, past success is no guarantee of future success. That's right. So there you have it. I'll tell you what my my pet peeve is uh, is a final for a final thought. Uh, I was listening to some folks um, who were commenting this past week. Um, I forget which game it was that ended. Um, I think it was both of the final four games, both at the end of Michigan State Texas Tech and then at the end of Auburn Virginia. Mm-hmm. Um, Sometimes you see some of those players on the losing end of those contests have an emotional breakdown. Right. And I actually was listening to some people who were basically mocking them. They didn't care. Like, they didn't cheer for the team that won so much as they were making fun of the team that lost. And right. far be it for me to criticize anyone for making fun of a team that loses because we I do that all the time. But I don't typically make fun of the of the players for getting emotional, especially college players because they're, they're mm-hmm. kids. They're kids playing for a school, not a professional team. Um. It really, it really rubbed me the wrong way. Like I, I basically, the comments were all along the lines of, "Oh, look at those babies! Uh, who, who would cry over a game?" And I thought, these are people who never played sports. Yeah. These are people who not only are these people who never play sports; these are people who have never had that much passion for anything in their lives, nor have they ever dedicated thousands of hours, years of their life to some trade, some skill, some game some job, some business, whatever it is. These are people that clock in 9 to 5 somewhere and get a paycheck and they they don't they don't own anything that is so dear and near to their hearts that an object or a contest would matter that much to them. So no, it's not the players that are something wrong with it. It's something wrong with you if you don't understand why they would be crying right then. It's because yeah. you're they're not crying because the last 40 minutes didn't go well. They're crying because they've been pouring literally decades of their life into something. Um, I, I, I'm reminded of, I, I might have told this story already on Sportsball once before, that I, I I will never judge a player for leaving college early to go to a pro league because they're about to go be a millionaire. So, I mean, if right. I was going to go be a millionaire, I'd save my knees for the next contest too. Um, with that said, I'm always reminded of, the year that Memphis lost the the final to Kansas. Memphis right. had, had been up big. Kansas stormed back. Memphis couldn't hit their free throws. They lost the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was the year that Derrick Rose was the, the only year that he played for Memphis because he went to right. the NBA. And the stories from the journalists were that he was just totally inconsolable in the locker room. Um and but the point being is is that it's it's a sad thing that so many players do leave early to go to pro sports because I feel like very rarely at the pro level do you see the type of emotional personal commitment to a team as you do in college sports. Yeah. Um, and so obviously Derek Rose wasn't crying because he lost. He was crying because it meant that much to him to represent his school, to play for his coach, to play with his teammates, knowing that he probably wasn't going to be playing with them ever again. And that was it. And it didn't end on a high note. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's not a, it, that's a sad thing, but that's a beautiful thing. And I actually pity people who don't understand how important that is. Yeah. I can tell you, I still vividly remember the last game I played for USF playing hockey. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I remember going off the ice and being a little bit choked up. And I mean, you know, we didn't have, we didn't make the playoffs that year. Uh, it was, we won the game. So there wasn't a particularly emotional game, but it's, it's, it's the culmination of I've spent two years with these guys doing battle, practicing, getting up every morning, riding buses. It's, it's more about realizing that that's the end of, of that era sure. of that time of your life. And, uh, you know, I, I was choked up and it wasn't a particularly emotional game and I didn't have somebody shoving a microphone in my face. Um, so yeah, you're absolutely right. It's 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 a lot more to it than just oh we didn't win the game. I'm mad because I didn't win the game. There's there's yeah. uh there's a lot that goes into sports as an athlete uh, that you just don't understand unless you've been in that situation. And a lot of it's the brotherhood and the camaraderie and the locker room or sisterhood, uh, as the case may be. Um, you know those those guys come to mean a lot to you when we when you when you're walking off the field ice track whatever it is for the last time and you realize hey this is the last time we're doing this together it's pretty heavy stuff yeah well guys on on that note thank you so much for listening to another episode of sports ball we are a proud product of little l productions along with such other fine programming as the sherry voluntary show godarchy with mike meharry the gold standard with alan mosley and postcards from Somalia. Uh, Mike, what's coming up on Godarchy? Well, I just released an episode on Saturday. It's actually my personal spiritual journey. So Ooh. if you want to if you want to know a little bit more about Mike in depth, check out that Godarchy episode. I, I did it with fear and trepidation, but I think it turned out pretty good, and I've gotten some good feedback from it. So, well, good. That sounds that sounds very interesting. We have a monumental mental week coming up on the Gold Ooh. Standard this week. I'm not. Well, wait a minute. Now, I thought the Gold Standard was a trucking company. <laughs> no, that's no. We advertise. On <laughs> oh, their yeah, trucks. okay. Yeah, and it's clearly working. <laughs> that's, that's obviously. I saw it all the way in California. That's right. Uh, so we're actually recording an episode on Wednesday that won't be live streamed, but we'll we'll live stream the playback. Um, I'm not going to announce who that guest is until we've got it on tape, but it will be the biggest guest we've ever had. Uh, and then, and then, and then appropriately to follow up the biggest guest we've ever had is Dave Benner's coming out on Friday <laughs> and we are actually are going to live Dave. stream that we're going to live stream the great Lincoln Game of Thrones episode on Friday with Dave Benner. So how about awesome. that? Dave, Dave is awesome, but I, being an insider, like I am, I know who the super guest is yes. and, and, uh, you're right. It's, it's huge. Yeah. So we're going to tease the audience with that one. Yeah. So, but Dave's, Dave's worth watching too, even in the even on the coattails of of the awesome guest. Yeah, there you go. So, guys, thank you so much for listening. If you want to join us on social media and actually follow along with our live streams, you can do so at facebook.com slash sportsballpodcast. You can actually leave me a little comment right here live as we're doing the show to let us know what you think so I can ban you. So it looks like Joel Poindexter has to get banned. So he, he left his comment, so he's got to get banned. That's just the okay. rules. Yeah. Yeah. So sorry, Joel. Uh, <laughs> soccer super fan Joel yeah. Poindexter. Well, you know what Joel said. He actually said, "Your favorite sports ball bubble bursting? Better get on the MLS bandwagon early." Then that's what <laughs> that's what Joel said. You know what? I tell you what, Joel. When it comes, because I, I think the season just recently began for MLS. When we get near playoff time, we will do an MLS playoff preview. We'll do it. We'll do it because it'll All take right. it'll take like five minutes. But we'll, <laughs> we'll do it. Uh, you can also get us on the web, which is sportsballpodcast.com. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next week. You 
You have been listening to Sports Ball with Mike Meharry and Alan Mosley. You can follow us on Facebook and leave comments, suggestions. Just go to at Sports Ball Podcast. That's at Sports Ball Podcast on Facebook. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you again next time.